Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Fellas, welcome to another episode. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I am your, your host for today, and I hope this episode finds you well, and, and that I hope that it leaves you better than when it found you. And today's episode is about a topic that many of us probably deal with and face, well, that many of us deal with but aren't willing to face, and that's addiction. And it's with one of my good buddies, Jesse Harless. And Jesse, I've had the pleasure of knowing for almost a decade now. And to see his journey has been truly incredible, knowing that the foundation upon which he built his success, his career, was on the foundation of overcoming addiction, a variety of different types of addictions. Because addiction looks and it feels, well, maybe it, it maybe feels the same, but it looks different, that's for sure. And it can, it can have different manifestations. It can, it can look very different for different people. But perhaps the impacts, the effects, those perhaps are still the same. And so I say that to give some context, but also to let you know that you may not think that you are dealing with this or affected by this, but I would encourage you to ask the question of where might, where might we be addicted to things that are not serving us? And how what might we be able to repair ourselves so that those things don't impact us anymore? And, and that's a lot of what this conversation is. And like I said, this is my good friend, Jesse Harless. So without further ado, let's get into this, fellas. Jesse, thank you for coming on and spending some time on the Modern Masculinity Podcast. How are you, my man? I'm doing real well. It's great to see you, Hector. Well, it's okay if you're not, though, because I think we're both the kind of guys when, when people ask, like, how are you? Like, sometimes people got to be aware because it's like, well, if you actually want to know, we're the kind of guys that are willing to jump right in the deep end. And one of the things that I like to do on this podcast is start with not how awesome, tell me about the books you've written, tell me about how you were an Amazon bestseller, and tell me about all the cool things that you've done and the great beard you've got. And like all the, we could go into all of the great things, but we like to start with what are some challenges that you're experiencing as a man, as a business owner, as a leader of people? What's something that's real and prescient for you right now? Yeah, I think what's real is that in my sixth year as an entrepreneur, there's things that are challenging. And one of those things is marketing. A lot of people, I believe, they get into this world of entrepreneurship as a coach or facilitator, trainer, and they don't, they're not particularly selling a product per se. They're not like a brick and mortar. They're, I don't like the word thought leader so much as maybe results leader. And I think that one of the things that starts to happen, especially when a COVID hits, is like, oh my God, what's going to happen? I can't speak on stages. I can't facilitate in person and I have to adapt. And I think for me in 2019, that was like a huge year. I was speaking all the time, all types of places and rooms and just, I was on fire. And then COVID hit and it was like really, really scary time. And then by 2021, I had the dark night of the soul moment where I was like, I don't want to exit the planet per se at that moment, but I definitely was like, I'm done. I'm done with this entrepreneur journey. I'm out. And you know, and then something happened where it was like a book showed up, a catalyst, 
I entered the dark cave and then I kept going. And I would say what's present for me today is like the reality of marketing. You know, how do you market exactly what you do to the people that needed to hear it the most? And I think for me, you know, and I'm grateful to be on this podcast with you because for me, it is starting a podcast and it might not be the answer for everyone, but I love to talk. And when I talk, it generates energy. Things download into me when I talk. So if I'm not talking, I'm actually hurting myself. And it might sound selfish, but it's the opposite. Because when I'm talking, other people become motivated. Other people have things to say. And I can create the space after I'm done talking. But it's created in that container. And I think for me right now, it's the marketing of my business and really putting that out there, what I do. Yeah. I think it's a theme that a lot of, I don't want to say like every guy goes through, but I think that there are many whose voices that need to be found. And this is something that I've had to go through in the sense of people pleasing has kind of been the thing that I'm trying to undo and all of the things that come along with that. And I think that's something that they're kind of similar and it's kind of a a similar journey that guys need to be willing to speak their own truth and to be willing to say and speak their mind because so many of us were not encouraged to do that growing up. We were told to be quiet and silent or to pacify things. And I think that there's a common journey that a lot of guys go through. Yeah, for sure. I mean, people pleasing, that's been my MO since I was probably eight years old as a coping mechanism, probably about 10 years old, actually, because I was pretty confident up until about 10 years old and something shifted and the people pleasing really started. So I think absolutely. It's something that has recently been worked on through some healing journeys I've been on where I was directly confronted with this And it's not easy, man. It's an addiction. People pleasing is an addiction. You just have to get that fix. So you want to make sure that someone's doing okay. You want to do the extra uh uh-huhs, yep, uh uh-huh, and be really in their world where you're oftentimes denying your authentic self and like a trauma bond. And so I think absolutely it goes hand in hand and it goes hand in hand with your business too. If you're people pleasing all the time, you're not speaking your voice out to the public, then you're probably not seeing the results that you could if you were fully authentic. And that's kind of where I'm at today with myself and my podcast that will be coming out is I'm just being me like I would privately with my closest friends. You know, that has to become public in a lot of ways of the things I'm saying, you know. Now, you've written a few books, but the thing that seems to be your calling, at least most recently is helping people who, and correct me if I'm wrong, push back, but generally speaking, who are dealing with addiction or overcoming addiction or impacted by this disease, you speak to it better. But I'd love for you to share your journey. And, you know, today there are these, I think they're called like deaths of distress or something like that. But essentially it's suicide, it's alcohol induced deaths and basically overdoses. The rate of those deaths are rising faster in men dramatically than women. And it's speaking to men's mental health crisis that, I mean, it's getting a little bit of attention recently. I mean, we're recording this on the last day of Men's Mental Health Month. I don't know how much people are really caring. It's like, oh, that's nice, you know, UNICEF kind of thing. Uh, Let me put some coins in the box there and feel good about it. So all that to say that there's something that's I think is really bubbling below the surface and maybe not so much. But take it away because this is your world and I'd love for you to enlighten the listeners a little bit on your journey and your experiences and who you've been working with and all those sorts. Yeah, I mean, no one escapes trauma in this lifetime. And I think that part of my journey has been one of addiction and trauma 
I've been able to come through that in some ways. I don't even know. It's like, I don't even know how I did it. But I think at the same time, by being so immersed in the world of addiction and trauma and even recovery, which are all very triggering words for people, I think that I've been able to see it from different lenses. And the more that I let go of old ideas and old conceptions of what recovery might be like, the more I step into worlds that I didn't know existed, which shows me that addiction is universal and so is trauma. I specifically remember sharing the word recovery with a close friend of mine and he was very triggered by that. He's like, I'm not in recovery. I'm not in recovery. I'm recovered. And I just think like if this close friend is feeling that way, what does the world feel like when they hear the word addiction or recovery? They probably get even more triggered. So I think there's this compassion that I have just because of my dad at three left for good. You know, he was a cocaine addict, alcoholic, which are terms that are can be really piercing, but can help to understand the level of the addiction. He was in a car accident, had permanent brain damage. Then he was in a coma for 22 days. I never had a relationship with him. And he stayed alive from four to 20 till he drank himself to death. We never talked from four to 20 more than three times. And I don't remember those conversations. That type of abandonment just stuck with me as a male is like, or <laughs> be for anyone, but I felt like I had caused that in some ways, like it was my fault and no one's going to tell me otherwise. That's kind of that programming embedded in my DNA almost, in my body. And so I spent most of my life living from my head to protect myself from getting hurt again. And I created this whole powerful mind to make sure that I would never get hurt again. Ironically, <laughs> the mind will start to hurt you by keeping in the comfort zone and in the safety of the protection of the worlds you're creating in your perception of the world. I heard recently, you don't experience life like as you see it, it's as you are who you are. That's how you're seeing the world. And you know, when you're living from the mind and never dropping into the heart and always being there because of survival mode, your body being in sympathetic nervous system as the baseline of your reality, you're going to have a different view of this place not being safe. And I think for me, that's where coming through that on the other side of that, of like seeing like, oh my God, I, I created a whole world in my head in recovery of all these things to protect myself from more pain. And when I started to drop into my heart, it was the most terrifying thing in the ever to happen, you know, like a nervous breakdown. Instead of it being this beautiful love experience, it was overwhelming. But in time, I started to get used to it and the daily practices I get used to. It. And I think a lot of people today, and by the way, I had a tribe. So when we talk about people off this planet with suicide, overdose, all-time highs, all-time highs right now, never been this high. And part of that is the tribe, the community, feeling that you are one, you are connected. And fortunately, I had that. I was able to have someone to share this process of emergence to my heart. It was not easy, but I had a tribe. So I would say like community, having a tribe and beyond Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm not talking about 12 steps either. That's not enough. That's the problem today is that when people are struggling with addiction and trauma is a whole nother rabbit hole, but tr uh, addiction, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? If they're not entrepreneurial or self-sufficient or into personal growth and development, where do they really go? And a lot of people are exiting the planet because there's not really a place for them to go because of the stigma, the shame, and the trauma and the way that people look at. Whether we look at it as a disease or not, to me, it's really more of like Dr. Gabramate, like what happened to you? When you start to get to know someone, you say, what happened to you? It's very clear that what they're doing is just soothing. They have a solution that soothes the pain. They're just self-soothing. So it's not that complicated, but 
it would take a radical shift in consciousness to help people come to compassion to be able to build opportunities for people to get better in that way. And many also suffer in silence too. So I'm just talking about people who we see that are suffering that we know, but there's a lot of people suffering in silence, especially entrepreneurs. Yeah. You brought up a number of things that I think are worth pursuing. So I'll just throw them out there and you can kind of pick and we'll just leave some open loops to fuck with people's heads. The theme that I'm actually realizing between all of these things is that I don't think guys are, I don't know if aware is the right word because they are probably aware, but they are suppressing the realization that they have trauma or even that they, in the same way that they are addicted, they go, I'm not addicted because they're not addicted to what society says that you can get addicted to. So yeah, for sure, they're not doing cocaine or they're not doing meth or opiates or whatever, but maybe it's video games or maybe it's porn or maybe it's even working out. Steroids is an epidemic that I don't think enough people are talking about right now. I'm for sure. You could just take one look at me and go, he's not on gear for sure. So I, I don't have that concern. But I know a lot of guys are looking for this validation or worth and they're turning to all of these things. So anyways, that's how I'll color this next part. And you can kind of you know share whatever you think is relevant. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to figure out that we're in a place that in a lot of ways, addiction is just the norm where I could go to my cell phone and instantly have 4K, any type of fantasy I choose, pornography, instantly on my phone and the highest quality and probably 100,000 videos to choose from for free. But if I wanted to research holistic health and wanted to understand addiction better and really wanted to go really deep and how can I get well without spending 30,000 a month, <laughs> good luck. It's going to be a tough one to find. So I just think that for anyone listening, it's like, oh, there's no hope, but there is. The hope is the journey to the heart. It's like finding in yourself what your worth is, who you really are. And when you start to realize your inherent worth and all the tools you've ever needed are inside of you, and we all need some assistance to realize that, maybe not all of us, but someone like me does, that's the real journey. It's the inner journey. It's hard to get to that journey when we're addicted to the foods we're addicted to the porn, we're addicted to our stories, we're addicted to depression, we're addicted to these things. And I know I'm using the word addiction in a way maybe someone hasn't heard before, but in a lot of ways, it's easy to say that it's a chemical imbalance or it's a brain disease. It's, it's, that's easy to say, but I think if we go a little deeper than that, we can see this person has a story that is colored in all kinds of things that they are now having to somehow release these programs that they've been programmed into, or addiction will be the norm. And that again, the addiction doesn't have to be fentanyl, doesn't have to be crystal meth. That's not what we're talking about. Talk about emotional addictions. We're talking about emotional addictions that run your whole life, codependency, people pleasing, even spirituality, even meditation that can become an addiction. Oh, I have this thing going on. Let me just meditate 20 minutes. Well, dude, right before our call, you sent me an episode to listen to, and we're going to get into that because I think it's, it's so important, kind of the topics that they're talking about. But even after I was listening to that, which talked about addiction, and you mentioned caffeine, I went and grabbed my, my iced coffee out of the kitchen. So it's like these addictions, I laugh and it's a way of justifying it or whatever, but it's like they're real. And I think that this conversation is really about opening people's eyes. Addiction is perhaps more prevalent. And in that prevalence, it seeps into areas of our life that I don't think we realize are affected by it. 
that's the secondary problem, right? It's like we justify it, but then it starts to create issues or challenges or problems in other areas of our life that we're not connecting the dots. We're not seeing the causality between them, but they're there. Yeah, I mean, have you ever been in love before or felt love? The deepest type of love for a person or yourself? Is that the time where you want to have a couple of drinks? Is that the time when you want to numb out with porn? No. Those are the times where you want to savor those moments of, oh, this is beautiful, this feeling that I have, this feeling of connectedness to creator source, whatever it is, this person having that experience. So I just say that to say, if you've been in a life of struggle, survival, or even if you have felt you've never had that, you've had no trauma, you had the perfect parents, well, then why are you unhappy? So I think in many ways, it's like learning just about self-love and learning about ways that you can foster that self-love, which might be through therapy. It might be through some type of guide. It might be through some type of medicine journey. It might be through cold therapy. It might be through all these different methods, it being in nature, nature bathing. But I think, did I learn any of that stuff in school? Did I learn any of that stuff in graduate degree? No. And it's not, I'm not blaming anyone, but it's like, where was I going to learn this? I had to hit a bottom for me, a really hard bottom to be broken into pieces to then go, please effing help me. And something showed up to help. It's not always what you want it to be either. (laughs) What shows up to help? Yeah, that's for sure. Because in my own journey, it's only when I'm looking for solutions and I'm stubborn enough to push that all the way to where the universe sometimes like you didn't hear the knocking. So that's why they like smash through the door. That sort of concept where we have to be willing, period. You just have to be willing. You sent me a podcast episode, which I thought was really interesting and talked about the connection between plant medicine and addiction, the healing part of it. And so I'm curious for you, it was this mysterious text. I had to double check and make sure that it was you. But yeah, only because I knew that we were recording, I was like, I think this is Jesse. I had to double check the number. Talk to us about what the connection is there or talk to me about why is that relevant for guys today, especially you know, given the mental health conversation that we've been having? Well, yeah. I mean, I'll just start with If you don't know my background, which many people probably don't, I have a background in addiction to many things, right? It was hard drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, all of that, and more. So I was arrested at 22 years old, facing serious charges, and I was sort of forced into recovery, which was great. Through those 15 years, I was 100% convinced that anything other than pure sobriety, that it wasn't true recovery, that it didn't actually count. Because if you did that, you were going to relapse and die. So that was ingrained into me for 15 years. When I started to listen to my heart, these teachers would show up. One of them was in 2018, I heard a guy named Dr. Dan Engel speak at a GoBundance event. And I grabbed him after he just so happened to be by himself. And I pulled him aside for 40 minutes. And I basically just started to say, why would someone in long-term recovery from anything, alcohol, drugs, gambling, porn, all of it, why would they choose to engage in, let's say, psychedelic medicines. He looked at me really funny. He's like, I help people all the time in long-term recovery do psychedelic medicines. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So that planted a big seed of books and guides that I would start to read and, and learn about. And it took about four years, three and a half years before I was ready to engage in a very, very meticulous way for me. This is how I chose to do it. Lots of research, hired a psychedelic coach well before I did it. And I just went into that with a lot of intention to 
begin a, a microdosing protocol. And I can tell you that first day I did that, I had a nervous breakdown because my whole ego structure for 15 years was based on a concept and it all got shattered by myself in my bedroom, by my mirror, on the floor, nervous breakdown for three hours on a subperceptual dose of psilocybin. I had my moment. When I rose from that moment, I rose as, as a fucking warrior. I literally did. I rose up and I was like, holy shit, I'm not letting anyone get in my way. Meaning that I'm not going to let my own stories or myself get in my way of living my authentic truth, to live from my authentic voice of what I know. That Everything has led me to that moment. I'd done so much research and I worked out and I felt amazing. And, and then I started that journey. And I think a lot of the benefits that can come from a very intentional practice of utilizing these medicines. Now, let's go back to my story though. I had 15 years of hardcore recovery, meaning I was all in. I was sponsoring, I was helping men, I was running groups, I was all in. I'd written a book, I had done all these things. So I had this huge foundation of cold therapy, meditation for 12 years. So don't just think you can dive right into psychedelics and everything's gonna be better overnight. I had a huge foundation. Even the 12 steps were the foundation of principles of my integration process. So I had a lot of experience by the time I ever took the first dose. I want to say that to say, if anyone's thinking about that, some people in extreme situations, and if you can get a place where you're in a very safe container with professionals that can help you, really consider that. But if some people are in really bad positions, they're going to die. And I know many of these people addicted to fentanyl and they're in really bad positions and it, it's over for them. So they'll go to Canada, they'll go to different places and do Ibogaine and they'll follow it up with something else, 5-MeO-DMT. And then the next thing you know, they're not going to die that day. And things start to improve and they integrate with a coach. So there's a lot of potential in this space, in addiction, in trauma, and we're really seeing it grow. And it doesn't mean it's the end all be all, but it is another option for people. And if you don't have a foundation of other practices, it could be really challenging, the integration process, especially a tribe or community or a person or a coach, therapist, someone who can help you to integrate these experiences. So I'll just stop there because I could go really deep into that. Well, I want you to keep going and I'd love to just color it with a little nuance here. And that's one of our mutual mentors, Hal Elrod, has popularized the not so obvious, you know, blank. He loves to do that. And I've taken that. I, I enjoy that too, because I think that that is always a great topic because everybody always hears the obvious things about psilocybin or the, the effects of, you know these types of medicines. So I'm always curious about the not so obvious benefits or effects or things to think about. Let's just talk about that. When you think about the not so obvious things, things that you didn't see coming, another theme that comes up on here is blind spots. I was just talking to a friend this morning about you know, a similar conversation. And it's just weird how the universe happens. And one of the things that we were talking about is how these medicines might help you to see things that you're not currently seeing. You know, it helps you to kind of get outside of yourself in a variety of capacities. And so I'm just curious, you know, to help those guys who are either thinking, I don't need this, or I don't do that, or I don't need it. That's not for me. I'm good. Are there things that you've seen that you didn't expect or didn't see coming? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, fortunately, I had a really wise friend that said to me, when you engage in this journey, who had, by the way, long-term recovery, he said, when you engage in this journey, your whole life's going to change. Opportunity is going to open up. 
new relationships are going to open up. A lot's going to happen for you. And I was like, you know what? I believe you, but we'll see when it happens. We'll see it when it happens. He was right. Because as soon as I embarked on the journey, I started having shifts in the way I set boundaries with people. I started to learn how engrossed I still was in people pleasing, how much I did it. The medicine showed me to my face. It was undeniable. I had things that I didn't even realize were in my consciousness that were operating automatically in the blind spot areas that were just like, oh, you're going to come and meet me as a medicine. Oh, very brave soul. Here you go. And everything was shown that needed to be shown at that moment of my level of consciousness. And boy, was it painful. But boy, what did it change everything? And I started to learn what boundaries were after a specific healing session I had with psilocybin. It started to show me like, oh shit, this stuff is still happening and it's happening every day. There's people pleasing. I was just shown it clear as day. And I was able to that same day start to work towards changing it. It was that quick of a turnaround. And I was able to, the week after, start to set boundaries with relationships that those adults didn't even know what a boundary was, never had learned about it. I certainly didn't. And when I started to set these boundaries, my relationship started changing. I just started, I just stopped tolerating these behaviors with the knowing that I could lose these relationships, but I was doing it from a pure intention. And exactly the opposite happened. These people not only are closest to me than ever, they are thanking me to te about teaching them about boundaries. And these are really close people to me. So it's really interesting. So there's so many things that have come that were unexpected beyond words. And I'll just say, there's a lot of them, Hector, but I would say the biggest one that's happened more recently is my connection to love, unconditional love. That's probably the biggest one. I used to say in my story, if anyone's ever read the, the book, last book I wrote, I said, the first time I ever felt love was when I did cocaine. That was the first time in my entire life at 20 years old that I ever felt what love is. And so I now know what love is completely sober all the time because I had some big experiences that showed me that and that I could have that. And that it's within me and it's within every person. That's been the most beautiful thing that's happened more recently is just that connection to unconditional love. You can call it whatever you want, source, creator, God, Yahweh, whatever you want to call it. But that has been expanded from an actual belief of that. I had a belief in that. Everyone knew me as a guy who has strong faith, strong belief. Now it's annoying. That's something no one can ever take. It's really been profound, that integration of that experience. Let's do like an R.L. Stein choose your own adventure section here because is it important to talk about next the integration process and to talk about that aspect of it so that people are aware maybe that's more important if it's different than what people think i always come to many of these conversations trying to bring the context of what do most people think with the realization and understanding that that's usually different than the actual reality of it and so if the integration process is something that people should understand, then let's go there. Or because we just like to throw out open loops, do we go to how do we get started? You mentioned there's different medicines. And from my understanding, you know, different medicines are typically, I don't want to say better, but you might choose different medicines to heal. I don't know what the word is, right? To work with different challenges or holdups or conditions or insert whatever noun you want. But those are the two routes that I think are kind of coming up 
we'll see if we can get to both, but which of those do you think is more relevant to the conversation right now? Well, I think because integration was mentioned, I think it is the most important thing. Integration is the most important thing when you have an experience because it can be extremely destabilizing. You can have an experience and I'm talking about doing it in a safe container with professionals that know what they're doing. It can be extremely destabilizing. Now, if it's in a setting that is not safe and you're doing it alone, it can be extremely dangerous. You can die depending on what you're ingesting. So I would say that the integration is everything. It's like 2%, depending on which your medicine you're jumping into, 2% is the medicine, 98% integration. Now, some of the medicines are big, big experiences, and maybe it's a higher percentage than that for sure. But it's the integration of that experience and carrying that into your 3D world, whatever world you're living in, which is the 3D. It's really important to bring that in because you might have a guide come to you. You might have a message come to you. You might have a trauma that you didn't know that was buried so deep at seven years old come to you. And that can be extremely destabilizing. Your belief systems could be completely uprooted. Seeing what's inside of you can be very scary. And you can start to blame the medicine. You can blame entities. Or you can just look in yourself and say, that was, that's within me. And so the integration process is critical. And I was fortunate to have you know, someone to walk me through the whole integration of it all, through all of it. And I chose that consciously because of my background as a therapist, as all the things I've done. So I wanted to make sure that I was going to do this in a way that I could model it for others, but it's not accessible to everyone. I also have accessibility and privilege in many ways to access things that people cannot. And I realized that. So what I would recommend is to do the work first. Start with one minute of hot to cold shower. You know, start with some five minutes of deep breathing into the heart. Start doing research of how can I just go outside with my bare feet in the grass and start to earth every day and get a little bit of sun every morning, no matter what. Start there. Start with those habits. And then if you do decide to choose a medicine, which are all different and unique, then make sure that you are having this idea that you're going to want someone to help you to integrate that. You know, you're going to want to have someone you can voice this to, this powerful experience, and then use these practices. You're not in the medicine every day, 24-7. So it's, you're going to have to be back to reality, and the reality will be slightly different. So integrating these powerful experiences is everything. And of course, we can go deep into what integration is, but integration is really just having a plan for what you're going to do an hour after that experience, 24 hours after the experience, one week, two weeks, six weeks, six months, one year, in fact, because these some of these are big experiences. Have that in place. Also look into how you can improve yourself holistically, wholeness, looking at each part of you, emotional health, mental health, physical health, even financial health, looking at all these things that are big triggers that maybe the medicine showed you. How can I get asked for help? Where can I go? Maybe I can go to YouTube. I learn a lot from YouTube, which is free. You know, so utilize these free resources. And the things I mentioned were free. Walking outside barefoot, cold showers, right? Meditation, breathing into your heart. I said things that are free that you can do anytime. So these are the things, everyone is unique in ways of integration. But having things that work for you is going to be really essential. 
Such a good conversation, Jesse. Maybe we'll have to have you back to close some of those loops. But if people want to get connected with you, find out more about you, read any of the books, would love for you to share where people can get connected. Yeah, I would say the best way to get connected is Instagram, Jesse Harless 222. You can send me a message. That's probably the best way. You can go to jesseharless.com. You can message me there. That's probably the best ways you can find me. And if anyone's wondering, like, what am I into these days? The big thing that I'm into these days is helping people walk through these journeys we just described. But also, I'm also into training people, companies, different ways to come together in wholeness and holistic ways, but also using methodologies like exchange and things that we didn't bring up in this conversation. But I wanted to bring it here at the end. And so that's kind of what I'm working on. And, and also uh, the next book, too, that's starting to kind of seep into my reality right now. But thanks for asking. So cool. Yeah. I love what you're doing. And it's so cool to see the evolution of Jesse. It's emblematic. The beard is, I think, a bigger emblem of the evolution because if I'm not mistaken, you had hair on top of your head when we met. It was very, you were a little more buttoned up. It's just so cool to see you step into your, your fullness, really help people that desperately need help. And so, yeah, man, I just wanted to honor you for that. For all you fellas and all anybody who made it here, thank you for for sticking with us today. If you got anything out of today, we would love and appreciate a rating or review wherever you get your podcast. And if you know a guy that needs to hear this, anyone who needs to hear this, send this to them and go get connected with Jesse. Let's keep evolving. We appreciate you being a part of the tribe, y'all. We'll see you on the next one. Later, fellas.